values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, thanks for being here this morning. Joining me in studio right now is uh, State Senator Kaiser. Let's talk about this piece of legislation of yours. Um, let's t- first of all tell us what this piece of legislation would do if it had been successful. In yeah. your in your opinion, thank you, Mike. Yeah. So what this bill would have done is make it easier and faster to build homes, all types of homes. So we're not focused just on affordable housing. We're focused on a supply and demand problem we have, and so we have to correct that supply problem by building a diverse set of housing in the state. So is it about expediting the process? Is it about rezoning so that more multifamily can be? Is it a, how how is the approach? I would say the approach is actually focused on zoning reform. So we're not getting rid of zoning. We're not getting rid of um, all public input. There was a small piece that was going to uh, be by right commercial to residential along the light rail and um, along the streetcar in Tucson. That's since been removed. Um, so really what we're looking at now is a bill that would expedite the zoning process. So, you know, try and get it done in six months is what we ask. Uh, we also say that maybe governments shouldn't be involved in dictating what color your house is and what size your mailbox is. All these free market principles that are totally gone right now in the home building process. You're getting some pushback from fellow Republicans, not just Democrats on mm-hmm. this. Uh, what are you hearing from both sides of the political aisle that they want changed? Is there support for it if there are changes made? Absolutely. Yeah. And this bill is not dead. It did, uh, in a sense, die on uh, Monday on the floor. But really, as you know, nothing's dead until we're, we adjourn. And that hasn't that we're going to be there for a while. And so we're working on uh, meeting with members that that Monday uh, testimony was really important because I could hear what people's concerns were that they weren't sharing with me privately. Um, and so we're, we're working to make changes to get those votes. What are some of those changes that you think could get this passed? Um, I think for sure, um, kind of whittling it down, focusing it a little bit more. I think a lot of members had a hard time with how dense and complex this bill is. And that really goes to the point of how this massive uh, special interest lobbying group has been able to kill this bill and, and spread so much misinformation and lies about this bill. Why would they be so against it? Because they lose a little bit of control. I mean, this is unbelievable. They are attacking my home-based business bill, which is just basically saying, hey, if you can run a home-based business as long as there's no impact to your neighbors, you, you can't put signs up. You, you know, And they're trying to kill that bill, too, because they want total control of everything you do with your property. And it's just disgusting to me as a Republican. So what is it? Okay, I, I don't want to convolute the two, but yeah. that one interests me because I ran a business out of my home for a long time. Um, what is the issue with this one? Um, because all of us realize that the housing shortage in Arizona is one of the keys to the yeah. high inflation and is going to be the key to the success of the economy of Arizona. Mm-hmm. So what are their solutions if yours isn't the one they want? So this is hilarious. So uh, we've been trying to work with them for months. And I did this you know, months-long study committee. They were involved in that as well. Um, they just recently came out with their solution. I think it was last week or this week. They didn't even talk to me about it, which was hilarious. They just I just found it through other means. But everything in the proposal is status quo. It basically gives the option for cities to do these things. Well, they could do these things right now, but none of them are. So why is passing a bill saying, hey, you can still do optional things? Uh, that's not going to solve anything. It's all window dressing. It's fake. State Senator uh, Steve Kaiser joining me in studio. We're talking about housing. We all agree that something needs to be done about affordable housing. And one of the ways that you can ha- uh, provide affordable housing is inventory. Mm-hmm. So is this about um, 
one family homes, multifamily dwellings, a combination of all of those, or does it affect everything in the building industry? So it's everything. I'm not trying to focus on one thing. I'm a free market guy. I, I want to have less government control of the building process. We're still respecting local zoning and public input. We still want to have that. We're going to make sure that maintains in the future bill. Um, but, but what's happening is we have we ha- we are short almost 300,000 single family homes so we're, we're very short there our uh, multifamily is at a 90% occupancy rate which is a 40% high and we know that our homes our single family homes are 20% higher than the national average we have no starter home stock and our rental rates are 18% higher than the national average so we have a structural problem here in Arizona that we have to fix are these uh, are, are these towns or the people that are concerned about this are they worried that if a project is going to be built in their town they have no say in whether it happens or not? That's correct. And so that was the buy right piece on the multifamily flipping from commercial to residential. That has since been removed. And uh, what we're looking at doing going forward, you know, we have this expedited zoning process. The zoning process will still maintain. So you still have to go to PNZ, public hearings. You have to get this, the councils will still be able to approve or reject projects. So they're still going to have say. We're just asking, can you get it done in six months? Yeah. And, and as a contractor, uh, uh, formerly, in my, mm-hmm. my old life, that was one of the biggest hindrances is how long things working in the field with inspectors on job sites was a dream. Mm-hmm. But it was getting those plans out of the city or, you know, that was approvals. the tough part. Yeah, yep. getting the approvals. Yep. And you believe this would expedite that process. Absolutely. So we put a shot clock on it. We give you 180 days. And then if you don't you know approve it in 180 days, it's deemed approved. However, we still allow the cities to issue the final certificate of occupancy. So they still control that. They can always deny the projects sometime within the 180 days too. So we think that, you know, time is money when you're building because a lot of times builders buy dirt, but they're financing that dirt. So if it takes them two and three years to finally sell a door on that piece of dirt, guess what? All those finance charges over the three years get attached to that door when they sell it. Not not only that, the design and lawyers and developing, mm-hmm. you know, this is, it's an industry. It's necessary. I think, you know, uh, managed growth is the way to grow, mm-hmm. but you're right. All of those costs that go into that project add to the cost of the project. Exactly. And that's where you see such high prices sometimes is because they have to recover the expenses of getting it approved. Absolutely. They're not going to go bankrupt on a project. They're just going to pass the, the that bill on. To, this is why we don't have affordable housing. And when I say affordable housing, I just mean you know anyone should be able to purchase a home or rent a home within 30% of their income, right? And we just don't have that. We don't have starter homes anymore. Um, we don't have affordable rents. And, you know, the democratic solution is to do things like rent control and inclusionary zoning. That's a non-starter for me. That's more government control. It's going to inhibit growth, compound the problem. It's, it's so we need a free market solution to this. Where is the Senate president on this? Because I know he comes yeah. from the building industry as well. He's a huge supporter of this. He said this is the most important bill of the session, and so obviously that bill technically died on Monday. But as I said earlier, the concepts that we're going to keep uh, formulating and amending and talking to members. The concepts are still moving forward and you should see something here pretty soon. So do you, in your, I, I know you can't predict the future, but how quickly do you think this can be amended and then passed? Uh, within a week. And is the House side of this, how's that going to go? That's actually looking better than the Senate side, believe it or not. So um, obviously uh, Senate President Peterson and I are big champions of this bill in the Senate, so that's a huge help. Uh, but you also have the Speaker of the House, Ben Toma, who is in the real estate industry and understands the problems. He uh, knows what the building process is and uh, um, so he'll be a big champion in the House. Have you had conversations with the governor? Uh, with her staff, yeah, I have had. Com- and what's the feedback? So the feedback is they're watching the bill.
bill very closely. Um, they want to continue to you know uh, provide feedback as the bill moves, uh, but they're kind of just you know watching and you know keeping the lines of communication open right now. I appreciate the time. I, I think that this is a topic that there's got to be a lot of people out there that have gone through the process of building a home or building projects that are nodding their head along with you. Mm. But as an overall problem in Arizona, it's one, especially here in the Valley, that needs to be solved sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. This we are we are already unaffordable. Right. And we are already fastly becoming California. We have California style zoning laws right now. And we need to loosen our zoning reform. We need to loosen our zoning laws to make it easier and faster to build while still respecting public input. And I believe that's what this bill will do. Well, I appreciate the time today. Thank you, sir, very much. Appreciate it. That's Senator Kaiser coming up in just a couple of moments. Uh, What we're going to do is we're going to talk about um, migrants at the border. The rates are going down. There's some good news. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. You know, just easily distracted, just sitting here talking to the senator, and all of a sudden the music plays. Time to do a radio show. Forgot where I was for a minute. Uh, a big thank you to Senator Kaiser for coming in. I think this is an important issue, the housing issue. We'll talk more about it as the show goes on. Play a little bit of this back. If you're just joining me, go back and listen to the interview as uh, State Senator Steve Kaiser trying to solve the issue of affordable housing, at least to the degree the legislature can. Whether or not you agree with this bill, but hear what he has to say. I thought it was an interesting conversation. I uh, want to start with some good news at the border. The Border Patrol sees second second consecutive month of lowest migrant encounters since February of 2021. That is good news. Um, But cocaine smuggling and production are record high since the pandemic retreat. So this is where I think we can get some really good results. Are we going to be able to shift federal assets that have been processing for so long Um, in New York? New York, not a border state. uh, Well, I guess it would be not a southern border state. But people living close to the border in New York, living close to Canada, you know, in the northern part of the state, um, they are overwhelmed with applications for asylum because of the people that have been relocated to New York. And they've got an almost 10-year waiting list for people and asylum claims. So that process is part of our legal system and it's required. So I get it. But as we are seeing, let's say, border crossings diminish, are those assets that are processing people in those kinds of numbers going to be able to be moved so that we can focus on the drug smuggling that's happening? There was a phrase that was used in the 1980s and 90s. Um, and it was narco terrorism, and it was how they identified the cartels, especially from Colombia, but from other parts of the world. And there are a lot of people that are a lot more well versed in this than I am. But narco terrorism was a thing. These were narcotic cartels that were using violence, and I mean extreme warlike violence, in order to maintain their control over the places where they produced and shipped their goods. You are dealing with criminals. It was harsh penalties. They meted out their own punishment. They served circumvented the law. They killed government agents. And so in the interest of history not repeating itself, we have got to take a good hard look at what we are seeing, and especially from the U.S. looking at Mexico. Now, I will tell you, this is where I'm torn. Um, 
My best friend growing up in high school, both of his parents were born in Mexico. He was a first-generation American, but his parents are from Mexico. I spent – the family saved my, my life. I, I was I was a basket case of a kid. I spent so much of my time living with them. His father was like a, is like a father figure to me, hardworking, industrious. Um, he is a, a self-made person, very, very well off, wealthy, built a couple of businesses. But more than that, um, they, have, they are such a part of the Mexican culture. Here in Arizona, one of the things that is such a misnomer is that somehow the cultures clash. Not in my life, not in the people that I know. We embrace each other's cultures. Um, I love the Mexican culture. The Mexican culture loves Arizona. Um, So it is sad to see people that have deep ties to Mexico, family ties that are still in Mexico, dealing with what's happening there. It also is discouraging because so much of Mexico is beautiful. And doesn't deserve the reputation that it's getting. But if we're going to watch what happened in the 1980s and 90s with Colombia, let's just stick there for a moment. If we see what happened there, we may want to take a look at preventing it now. You're talking about a drug that's cheaper to make. You're talking about a drug and the violence that these cartels are meeting out against each other because there are rival cartels. But how do they keep control of the places where it's being produced? And so now I'm going to I am really title 42 is going or is going to expire. Is this going to increase the number of people coming across our border illegally? So that's the immigration question. But the border security question that goes with it is how do we stop this narco terrorism at our back door? Uh, It is about for me, a lot of it has to do with pride. And what I mean by that is I moved to Arizona in 1995 because I fell in love with it in 1992 when I came here on vacation. And um, I think Arizona is the greatest place I've ever lived. And I grew up in a beautiful part of the world in southwest Florida. Um, So uh, with all due respect to where I grew up, I am in love with the state of Arizona. This is home. And we also are the pathway for a huge, if not the majority amount of the fentanyl that's coming into this country is coming across our border. And a lot of it's being brought in by American citizens. Most of it's being brought in by Americans. But the cartels are the ones behind all of this. We have got to have the wherewithal as Americans to deal with Americans that are poisoning Americans. But we also have to have a relationship with the Mexican government that wants a relationship, because not all of them do, that wants to end this narco-terrorism before it is so out of control like it was and what it did to Colombia for all those years. And I think because of the great relationship between Americans and Mexicans and the Mexican-Americans who still have family in that country and the deep ties and the roots and patriotism to the culture, I think it's going to get done sooner rather than later. We aren't detached by so many different borders between Colombia. We see the, we saw the results with cocaine, but this is results family to family because of the huge Mexican population in Arizona especially, but across this country. And I hope I'm right about that. I hope I'm right about it. In a moment, the governor says lack of knowledge and expertise. Um, we don't we lack both knowledge and expertise to conduct executions. We'll talk about that story coming up in just one moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Uh, The governor 
Uh, says lack of knowledge and expertise uh, is what the reason why we shouldn't conduct executions. That's a headline from her office and also from the prison chief, the new uh, head of the prisons in Arizona, the Department of Corrections director. Um, Arizona is in no position to c- conduct an execution according to legal briefs filed by the state. Death row prisoner Aaron Gunches and previous Arizona Attorney General sought to receive a warrant of execution. Um, the newly elected Attorney General Chris Mays and Governor Katie Hobbs paused executions pending a review. The family of Gunchen's victims is asking the Supreme Court to force Hobbs to carry out the execution warrant. Uh, this week, the court asked both sides to offer arguments as to why or why not the state should be forced to execute. Um, so I want to mirror this. I want to set this side by side on the table with something. Um, Alleged violent criminals back on the streets of Oregon after public defender shortage leads to dismissal of hundreds of cases. I have ranted on this and I've gone down this road on many, on many, many times. Um, unless you want the Wild West, you had better get your ducks in a row. Um, officer shortages and lack of willingness to prosecute or lack of staff to prosecute is causing a frustration that shouldn't happen in a civilized society. I don't think that even the proponents, most proponents of capital punishment, are bloodthirsty people, meaning that they are not looking for uh, – Blood. I mean, there are people out there that say this and they mean it that, you know, hey, someone should die the same way they killed someone, lock them in a room with a family member. And I'll tell you, I've not been the victim of that kind of loss um, in a murder. Um, And I, I may change my mind if that happened to me in that moment of passion and rage and anger and sorrow and all that. Um This isn't about a bloodlust. This isn't about being bloodthirsty. But if we are going to use a mechanism like the death penalty, if the message from our society, and it is in Arizona, if there are aggravating factors to you committing a crime like murder, you will sacrifice your life because you took a life in such a horrendous way. But it goes beyond that because the attitude towards crime with innocent people is becoming more and more and more angry because we see less and less and less justice. And it's a fair response. Now, fortunately, here we are not seeing much of it. If we are seeing a lack of prosecution, it's because of staffing, not because of policy. But we know in other parts of the country – where they are trying this new politically correct way of dealing with people that is more equitable, whatever that is. Equitable to me has nothing to do with the color of your skin. It has nothing to do with your gender or your age. It has everything to do with your behavior. If you commit a heinous crime, you go to jail. If statistically you're listed by your gender or your race, so what? If you're committing especially violent crimes, you don't deserve to be in society. But that's still focused on the perpetrator. We don't focus on the victims enough. What about this family? What about the families that were victimized by this guy Gunches? What about them? The ones that are saying, we want justice. We've been waiting for over 20 years. The governor's opposition to this is because she has an opposition to the death penalty, which I respect. Listen, to the victor go the spoils. The governor of the state of Arizona has every right to govern the way she believes is best. She won the election. If you don't like the results, elect somebody else next time. 
So this is not about that. What it is in my mind about is that I believe the focus is in the wrong place. Speaking to victims, and this is goes from the most serious of crimes like murder, but what about rape? What about other violent crimes? If people are not getting satisfaction in the legal system, then where do they find it? If you can't get justice from the justice system, where do you find it? What do you say to a family member that's lost a child to a drunk driver? What do you say to a family member that's been – what do you say to a family that's had their home burglarized and now their kids are sleeping with the lights on? What do you say um, to someone who has been uh, – had been carjacked that they can't sleep at night? What do you say to those people? And this is the bigger point here. I think the timing of this is part of the issue, that the people in Arizona and across the country are sick and tired of seeing the upper hand being given to the criminals because there is a system in place that's a little bit dysfunctional, many times due to staffing, the defund the police movement or otherwise, but a lot of it has to do with policy. When was the last time you remember in huge numbers that law enforcement was speaking up against the prosecuting arm of what they do. But when you have cops coming out and saying, we are making cases, we're understaffed, we're overwhelmed, and yet we dot the I's, we cross the T's, we work long hours, we do what's necessary to build strong cases, we submit those cases for approval, and either they don't get approved because they don't have the time and the statute of limitations runs out, Or on top of that, we have in some cases, not here, but in some cases, we have prosecutors that are saying the policy of this office is more of a revolving door. How often does that happen? And if you look what's happened where they have law enforcement has spoken out across the country recently, the police chief in uh, Washington, D.C. said, keep him in jail. The average person that's arrested for murder has been arrested 11 times before they commit the murder. Keep them in jail. If people that are shooting people with guns are off the street, they can't be on the street shooting people with guns. So I disagree with the governor and the way she's handling this. Um, I think it's on the books. The law is there. I uh, respect her position. But um, I think that in the end, the Supreme Court is going to weigh in and say this this execution needs to be carried out. But get the law changed then if you don't like it. I, don't, I, I would certainly respect her for doing that. I wouldn't agree with her, but I would certainly respect her for that. I think that this is a ploy to delay as long as she can. And then to find a reason to say, like we paused uh, executions before, to say that we're not doing them the right way. Um, I don't think anybody that I know would advocate for torture or a cruel and unusual. Um, but I don't see – forget what crime he committed. I don't see that any of this is cruel and unusual, and most people don't either. So we'll see. We will see how all of this plays out. Um, in a moment, is the word woke – The new N-word, because one journalist says it absolutely is. Tell you who he is and why he's saying that in just a moment. 
strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, if you'd like to become a Phoenix Suns insider, get all the latest breaking news on the Suns and their quest for an NBA championship, just text the word VALLEY to 411923. That's VALLEY to 411923. So a former MSNBC host, Toure, Neblet, a journalist, he co-hosted The Cycle, tweeted out, the way the right uses it, talking about the word woke, is an undercover way of saying those people or non-white people. It's a polite way of saying the N-word, but in this case, the N-word includes blacks, LGBTQ folks, and other marginalized groups. I think that, so there was a woman that was uh, asked about... um, Defining what's woke. What does woke mean? Give me the definition of woke. That's the definition of woke right there. The idea that you are going to interpret the words that I use to find that you know the hidden meaning to my words, even if I don't know them. That what I'm saying is a microaggression, that somehow it's violent, um, that uh, the words I use, you interpret, and your interpretation of my words means that I should change my words. That's wokeness. This is the definition of why that's a problem. I go out of my way to have reasonable conversations with people that I disagree with. I think it's a better way of handling things. I just want to be different, and I want to hear people, and I want to have conversations. And I would love to walk away from a conversation with everybody I disagree with with a handshake and a better understanding of each other. Even if we're never going to um, ever going to change each other's minds. But even I, same thing with me. Your whiteness this. And I'm like, no, you, you have no idea where I come from. You have no idea what I've been through. You have an interpretation. You are doing what you accuse me of doing. You are making predisposed ideas. You are judging me by, based on what you hear in a small amount of time in a situation where it's assumed that I am this lily white silver spoon person that grew up without a care in the world and my whiteness let me have a better life than anybody else. And I will tell you this, um, it's absolute nonsense. I will tell you that people are people. I have friends of all races. I have enemies of all races. I have people I can't stand that are women, men, gay, straight White, black, Hispanic, Asian, never want to talk to them again. They never want to talk to me. Has nothing to do with any of the labels I just gave you. So this idea that woke, meaning they can tell you what you're saying and what it means, and you have to change it. Um, It's true. Um, So here's a headline. Your organized pantry... Your organized pantry is rooted in racism and sexism, says a college professor. Um, uh, A viral moment reinforces the hollowness of woke as an attack. Woke, you can be whatever you want. But how about the other side of this? Elon Musk and others respond after protesters smash windows and hurl eggs at Charlie Kirk in an event on a college campus. All of these woke, tolerant people that won't tolerate those kind of opinions. Here's another one I thought, thought was funny. Homemaking over hustle culture. Critics claim TikTok's viral trad wife or a traditional wife movement romanticizes sexism. There is such a contradiction in this woke cancel culture. 
that they can be as intolerant and actually violent to shout down, beat down, intimidate down, push down, push away anybody that disagrees with them. But if you try to do it to them, you're a horrible person that's intolerant. That's what's so funny is that they use the word tolerance. And this is why when people say this, and maybe it's, I guess, maybe that's the generational thing. I don't want to offend anyone. Don't want to offend anyone. But when you hear people say ridiculous things like that, how do you fight it? So I'm a racist because I've used the word woke as a negative. You're going to interpret the meaning of the words I use. Even if I don't understand, again, my my supreme whiteness is what blocks me from understanding how bad what I say is. It, it is the most fundamentally ridiculous thing. You look at what, what what's funny about this. Look at a guy like Dave Chappelle, who is in most people's mind the goat when it comes to stand up comedy and what they've done to him. In one of his stand up routines, he, ca- he talks about a hip hop artist called DaBaby who went on a uh, anti-gay rant on stage and got canceled. I mean, they wanted this guy's career over, over. And um, – He points out the absurdity of that. I'm talking about Chappelle by saying, you know, that this guy known as DaBaby, this guy killed somebody in Walmart, I think in North Carolina, killed somebody in a Walmart, said didn't ruin his career, but hurt a gay person's feelings and his career is over. That's woke. That's the cancel culture. If you disagree, you can be as vitriolic towards your opponents as you possibly can. You can throw eggs. You can throw rocks. You can cast insults. You can scream and yell. You can intimidate because you're doing it for the greater good. When somebody on the other side of that argument does it, the the most recently, the um, the school district, the Washington Elementary School District, woke, woke, woke. We're not going to have Christian students in our classrooms, even though we have a 25 percent teacher shortage because they signed something saying they believe that a, that a marriage is between a man and a woman. No student ever said a word to a teacher. No student ever said a word to a board member. Neither did anybody from Arizona Christian University ever say anything to anyone about that issue. But because they believe differently, they don't believe like we believe. So we're not going to renew a contract that most of them didn't even know existed. Woke. That's what woke is. And it is people saying, you can't push us around. We have a right to believe what we want. And you're going to believe what we want you to believe. And if you don't, sit down and shut up and go over there. You can't work here. You can't come here. You can't speak here. You can't do anything here. You have a right to believe what you want to believe. But you can't live those beliefs. Not around us. That's woke. And it's damaging. It's ridiculous. And it's hypocritical. And that's just my rant on that. Coming up uh, just after 10 o'clock, we're going to talk about why gas prices are going up so quickly in Arizona. It's an annual thing. How much higher are we than the rest of the country? What is the economy telling us? And what about the housing shortage we have? We're going to talk about all of that because all of them are major topics and it pertains to everybody listening. So we'll get to those coming up here in just a few moments.